Welcome to episode 57 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. A bad way to measure wealth is by what you have left over. A great way to measure wealth is by what you are able to give. Hi, this is Keith Tusi. Welcome to Leadership in Context. We've been talking about principles of building a giving culture and a building understanding from the scriptures, particularly looking at 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9. So if you'd like to go with me to 2 Corinthians and the ninth chapter, I'm going to pick up reading at verse 8, and I'm going to read about four verses of scripture there. And uh, this is what it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. What is he talking about here? He's talking about never counting yourself out as a giver. He is comparing the grace of God. Remember, grace is empowerment. He's saying if we are flowing in the grace of God, that God wants to repair us for every good work. This is the context, of course, is giving. The verse before talks about God loving a cheerful giver so that we have an abundance. So while we may look at our needs and feel like we don't have an abundance related to certain things, when it comes to giving, we always have an abundance for this reason, because giving is seed, one little seed. See, it may not look like a lot. We may discount that amount. We may say, well, what significant difference does that make? And remember, we're not talking about the tithe here. We're talking about offerings. We're talking about alms. We're talking about mercy giving and mission giving and building giving and things like that, okay? Extra giving. And that little bit that we may discount God never wants us to discount our obedience. This is one of the great areas of Christian growth. If we will not discount our obedience, I think so many times believers think, well, what difference does it make that if I'm kind to a person or I'm forgiving to a person or that I stay in fellowship with somebody or, or whatever it may be, just acts of obedience, we discount them. And God exalts those things. And here's one of those measurable areas where we can obey God, and we can see it with our hands, with our eyes, we can feel it in our pocketbook, and he's saying here that he's able to make all grace abound towards you. When you want grace, grace is available so that you may do well in this great work. And of course, the work he's talking about is is giving. And then when you go to verse 10, he says this, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, let's just camp here for a couple minutes. He says that he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. There are two principal reasons God puts wealth in our hands, that God puts sustenance in our hands. Number one is seed to the sower. One of the principles we have tried to live by, and I've tried to teach people and model people, is that when something comes across your hand, when something enters into your wallet or your checkbook or whatever it is, that the first consideration ought to be 
This is seed for sowing. What does God want me to do with what he just gave me? Not taking the mentality of ownership, but taking the mentality of stewardship. So he gives seed to the sower. God looks at us as a sower. Do you look at yourself as a sower? Do you see yourself as a Christian Johnny Appleseed? Wherever I go, I am going to cast some seed. I'm going to continually sow. I'm going to continually invest. I'm going to keep God's conduit open to me. Remember, a bad way to measure wealth is by what you have left over. A great way to measure wealth is by what you're able to give. But the second part here that needs to be emphasized is bread for food. So God wants us to be sustained. He wants our needs to be taken care of. Certainly the reference to bread here is literally not just to bread. It's literally to bread, but not just for bread. This would include sustenance. This would include our clothing and our our housing and our our transportation and our physical well-being and all the things that that takes care of. So there should never be any guilt in there. There are two principal reasons that he says that he puts seed in our hand, and that's sowing and bread for food. Now notice what he says here. Going on, supply and and multiply the seed you have sown. So there's two things. God's going to supply, so acknowledging that it came from God, and he's going to multiply. What's he going to multiply? Is he going to multiply the seed in our bag, the seed we've hung on to, or is he going to multiply the seed we have sown? If I gave you a bunch of money, and I said, I want you to invest this for me, and you you hid it under the mattress, and you were waiting for the right circumstances, that money is never going to multiply. It's only going to multiply after you sow it, after something happens. And a lot of times, I think believers are waiting until they have more, and God is saying, I've given you something, and I will multiply what you have sown, not what you keep. So if you want to grow in financial prosperity and financial influence and the ability to give and bless other people, I think it's clear here that God will multiply the seed you have sown. And then notice this strong phrase, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Not the fruit, but the fruits of your righteousness. So God is saying that giving is a righteous thing, and he wants to multiply the fruit of that. What is in a fruit? What makes something a fruit? That it has reproductive seed in it. So when you invest in somebody's life through generosity, when you invest in the work of God through generosity, there is a seed that is in that, and it is able to multiply, and that righteousness is put to our account. Giving is righteous. It's a wonderful, righteous thing that we get to be involved with. This is something that you can never... Uh, be too understanding on. Here's what I like to say. Yesterday's manna has today's worms or tomorrow's treasures, depending on how you look at it. You know, when they were in the wilderness and they cried for manna and bread, and manna literally means, what is it? That's literally what the Hebrew means. What is it? When it came down from heaven, it was a it was a tasty bread of some sort, had some kind of fiber uh, consistency to it, like a bread. 
and they ate that bread and they were sustained. But they were only allowed to gather the bread for one day, except the day before the Sabbath, they could gather for two days. If they gathered more than they could use, more than they could eat, it became infested with worms. And when the focus on our financial well-being, hear me, is gathering and not sowing, there is a good chance that it's going to be infested with worms. So It's going to be rotten away. It's going to be unusable. It's not going to be for anything good. So, you know, I think a lot of times people have things that they've stored up and it never goes for any great purpose. It becomes mammon. It becomes what we depend on. I think it's okay to be a steward. Again, John Wesley said we should earn all we can, save all we can, and give all we can. I ascribe to that. I believe that. But I'm not saving because I don't trust God. I'm saving because I do trust God, and I believe God has got more things for me to do in the in the, in the the future. I believe that I'm going to be around to do some of the things and go forward in my life, okay? So you can save in faith, I guess, or you could save in not faith. So there's no prohibition in the Bible on saving, but I think the emphasis is on when it comes to your hand that God is the first re- recipient and gets the first consideration. So today's manna is either going to have tomorrow's worms or the treasures of the future. What are you going to invest it in? If we take that and we invest it, I think we're sowing into a great treasure. I think this understanding is far greater than just surface level sowing and reaping. I think to some degree the church has taught that. Some people have benefited it from it. They've grabbed it. But that's like just seeing the mechanics of it. I put a seed in the ground. I water it. It grows. Okay, get more seed. But why? And what does God want to do in our heart through that process? Because again, the verse before, verse 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. How can you be a cheerful giver when at the same time it's hurting to give? The same way a farmer can be a cheerful farmer when he just has a little bit of seed left, but you know what? The ground is right, it's fertilized, it's raked, the rocks are out. The sun is shining, and the weather report says rain's coming tomorrow, okay? He's a cheerful giver because he understands the process of nature and what he's investing into. He's not a reluctant sower because he understands that if he doesn't sow, there will be no more to sow in the future. So I think we need to take this uh, another step further. You know, in Matthew 6, where Jesus says, Look at the sparrows. You know, they don't they don't worry about tomorrow. You know, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't do this, they don't do that, but your heavenly father takes care of them, you know, the lilies of the field. What's he talking about? He's talking about understanding the divine processes of God and trusting the character of God. God is a giver. God so loved that he gave. God wants us to emulate that same type of character that we're givers, that we're cheerful givers, that we're excited givers, that we're knowledgeable givers, that we're revelatory givers, and it's fun to give. And when there's a culture in your life like that, going back to verse 8, grace abounds to you. You never cut yourself off. You know, when they're saying we're going to do the new building or we're going to send a new missionary or there's a family that needs help or whatever it may be, we're going to add a new staff member or here's a project. Somebody's been in a storm. 
rather than saying, oh, I can't give anything, or degrading what we are giving because we don't think it's a lot, seeing it as seed and understanding God's process. Hey, I love teaching this stuff because I love people. I love you as a disciple of Jesus, and I want to see you grow in the power and the grace of God. So thanks for taking this time and investing in your own life. Uh, Take this podcast and share it with somebody and bless them too. Thank you. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. It's been great to be with you for Leadership in Context. Today, Keith continued the discussion on giving. Yesterday's manna has today's worms or tomorrow's treasures, depending on how you look at it. When the focus on our financial well-being is gathering and not sowing, there's a good chance it will be infested with worms and we won't be able to use it. When we generously invest seed, God takes that investment and He multiplies it. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at inourpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at inourpastors. See you next week.